Hey, Sam. Welcome to the RevOps Review. Hey, Jeff. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been a little while. Um, so today I'm joined by Sam McManus. Uh, we previously worked together at AWS. In fact, he was the one that was showing me the ropes of getting familiar with the lay of the land at Amazon. Uh, but he just was just wrapped up a role uh, as senior director of sales strategy operations and analytics at Capital One. A huge move. But I think your biggest accomplishment, by the way, is your toddler is how old now? 20 months old and going on uh, what seems like a teenage year already, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, my daughter is turning three and there's like a little bit of teenager-esque three like, traits there. <laughs> three teenager. <laughs> That's a great way to phrase it. I never thought about that. <laughs> uh, so we're going to have a hopefully a, a great conversation for our listeners. A lot of folks listen to this while they're jogging or heading to work. Um, but, you know, one principle that sticks out to me is the concept of a one-way door versus a two-way door and the, yeah. the, the, con the concept of when to take risk. I, I'm curious about, you know, exper your experience at some of the firms you worked at. Like, how do you think about one-way and those two-way doors? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you know, it's a decision making model, right? And when, you know, I think what ultimately it helps a business do is it, what I've observed, at least in my in my career is data driven organizations, especially, right, you, you know, you want to make decisions based on data. And when you have lots of data available to you, or conversely, you don't have a lot of data available to you, you ultimately end up in the same place, which is like that analysis paralysis bucket, right? You're like, well, oh, we have to go get data because we don't have enough to make the decision. Or we have all this overwhelming data and there's so many things that we can explore. Great. That's all well and good. Now you get back to the concept of like, well, when do you know to move forward, right? And then there's the, the whole thought of a, a one-way, two-way door. And that whole concept is one-way door, you should take a little bit of time, right? And that's really the concept of if you take a step back is this something that would be easy for us to unwind? Is this something that would be really easy for me to, if I go through that door, can I walk right back out of it? That's the two-way door, right? Those are decisions you should make. And you, even if you have lots of data on the subject or a little bit of data on the subject, if you can walk it back, there's no harm. You know, Generally, there's really not a lot of harm in trying it, right? If you can walk back through that door and it doesn't damage your customers, it doesn't damage your relationship with your organization, it doesn't break things, it doesn't fundamentally damage your business or cause uh, undue risk. Every choice involves risk, right, Jeff? I mean, I think that's that goes without saying. But those one-way door decisions are the ones where you have to take a little bit more time because they may they may have a larger scope. The the impact might be greater. It might impact you know one people, two people, twenty people, whole functions, right? So those are the type of decisions where you want to take a little bit more time, think about a little bit more. Maybe you do need to go get that extra data. Maybe you do need to to spend a little bit more time on that analysis to cut that, cut through what what matters and what doesn't. You know, and the way I've seen it play out, you know, at AWS, that is that's where it happens. That's where I learned that concept. So that I've seen that play out in a number of ways there, right? Uh, you know, like something as simple as Hey, we're doing annual planning. How should we structure our territories? Do we go fully into doing a verticalization in a specific vertical? Well, that's a two-way door because you can walk that back. You know, you can move accounts back around and unverticalize if you need to. It doesn't really hurt anything. Sure, there's a little bit of operational overhead that you're going to eat when you do that, but you can easily walk it back. It doesn't break anything. Whereas, you know, a, a, a more of a one-way door would be do we completely restructure our organization and fold marketing into the sales organization. That was something that, you know, we were talking about potentially doing uh, at the time. And, you know, that's more of a one-way door, right? There's, it impacts customers, it impacts 
multiple functions, there's a broader impact to that. And it's a little bit harder to, to walk back and unwind once you go through that door. And the same thing can be said for technology as well. It can be applied to a lot of different types of thinking. So some decisions, they they look like two-way doors, but they're really one-way doors and, and vice versa. You know, yeah. Is there a situation that you've run into where you're debating, is this a one-way door or a two-way door or something in the middle, like a one-and-a-half-way door? We're not quite sure which one, it's, which one it is. That's a really good question. You know, I, I think that that's a debate I have in my head almost every single time I'm considering, is it a one-way or two-way door? I, you know, that's, that's almost a you know, something that comes to me every single time. And I think a really good example of that is, you know, building out a CRM from the ground up. And, you know, in the early days of a, of a company, when you're just launching, you're just figuring out how to go to market. You know, my, my instinct is, well, most of the decisions that we're going to make with the tech stack are going to be one way because the further you go along in your journey, the, the scale breaks everything and you're going to have to redo everything anyway is it really a one-way door at that point? It's kind of a two-way door, right? Like tech debt is, it's inevitable in some sense. You want to minimize it as much as you can, but that's that's really the best example I can think of is when we're building out our CRM, you know, maybe I, I was thinking like, do I move faster? We could get a lot more done if I don't worry about how's this going to feel six, seven, 12, you know, 18 months from now. The chances are, I don't really know what that's going to look like in 18 to 24 months or even 12 months from now. So just do it. And then you can probably unwind it later. It's, you know, it's very different than setting up a database in your data nomenclature, right? Like that to me is a really obvious one-way door. Once you set that precedent of like, this is how we think of customers. This is how we tag things. These are our key pairs. These are how we're going to create connection, connectivity between our product data and our and our CRM data. That's a one-way door because that's so much harder to unwind than, oh, we've constructed something this way in the CRM. This is how we do our pipeline. This is how we do opportunities. You can change those things. It's not that difficult. It takes some time. And there's certainly some you know operational and technical overhead that you get from that, but it's not going to break your business in a sense. So I had our skip level, you know, remember Sid Kumar? He's over at HubSpot now. Yeah. Yeah. Leading leading their revenue operations. And he came in and we had a great conversation around when do you leave the data and when do you have enough sufficient data in order to operate? Do you wait for perfection, meaning to have the perfect data? Or do you operate once you hit a certain tipping point and it allows you to have enough data to make a decision to move quickly? And so, for example, with annual planning upon us, some businesses that are more mature have already been doing this probably since April through August. It's an early start, but there are a lot of startups who are just starting September, October. They're running, they're kind of running yeah. too late for like a bigger company. So the, the maturity makes a big difference. I'm curious how you think about that 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 trade off between, you know, when I need seventy percent or hundred percent. Yeah, you know, I think that's where that one-way and two-way door model really helps you make that decision, right? If it's a two-way door, if you have 70% of the data, probably good enough to move forward. And I would argue a lot of time, it's probably enough to move forward in a one-way door type of situation as well. Because what's that incremental 30% going to do for you, really? Now, I do think that there are nuances to that. Like retail businesses come to mind for me because they're very seasonal. So you might need a little bit of Q4 data to understand really like what the full picture of your next calendar year is going to look like or your next fiscal year, however you think about things. You know, so just as it's highly dependent on your business. So you have to kind of make each decision 
dependent on what's in front of you, right? There's different, I, I kind of think of it too, as like there's different kinds of data, right? There's the data that you need to make the decision. And then there's like your organizational data, which is, you know, how do we operate? How do we move? What matters to us? What's our business look like from a seasonality perspective? And I think that's how you make some of those decisions ultimately, you know, when it comes down to like a thing like an annual planning, like do you start it early in August? That might be the right time for your company to do it. If, you, if you've been doing this a lot, you're mature, you have lots of historical data, you can trend things out. Great. I'd say go for it. Do it earlier. Earlier is better. If you don't, you're a startup. You kind of want to keep things at the bleeding edge because you don't necessarily know what you don't know. And I think the benefit of being a startup is you could be nimble, right? You're you're still small enough to make those decisions. And most things are to a door, you know, early on in your journey. So, it, you know, you can start that annual planning process a little bit later and it might be beneficial to your business. So it might, it might be tougher for the people. I, I think that's the aspect that we always have to remember is that, uh, you know, there is a, there is a cost to that. You know, you're, you're rushing things. You might not have everything perfect exactly the way you want. The change management might fall to the wayside, but you know, the results will speak for themselves. So the reality is our systems are the primary places where we get our data. And you've yeah. had the pleasure of being very hands-on and you've also had the work environments where the systems were really locked down. I'm curious about those two experiences where you had like full autonomy versus an environment where you were kind of just taking the data from the systems as opposed to you're really influencing it. Yeah, I'll start with the that part, which is, you know, what is it like to not have complete control over the systems? And I think there are some benefits of it, right? That's a really big chunk of your brain that you have to put to thinking, you know, I, I would say what it does is it allows you to get things to function exactly the way that you need them to, but it takes you longer to get things done because you're, you're having to think about, okay, this is how I want to do something. Here's what the process looks like, or here's the motion that I want to do. Now I need to think about how do I reflect this in my CRM so I can measure it and know if it's working or not. So it just takes that much longer in a project plan to get something off the ground. So you're only going to be able to do so much in a year by centralizing those things in like a large mature organization, you can do things in parallel, you know, so your development happens a little bit faster and I get to focus a little bit more on the business itself. What does the business need? What are the sellers in the field need? What do my CSMs need? What are my essays? What are the things that are challenging them? So I can start to think about the future a little bit more, which I find to be really beneficial. What I also really like about the other though, is like to get that hands-on. And I think there's a time and a place for both. You know, I think early on when you're a startup and you're, you're small, having control of that tech stack within the business makes a ton of sense because you need to be able to move fast. You need to be able to be nimble. You have to have control over it, but the bigger you get, the more difficult that becomes. And I think for me, the tipping point is when you start to expand to an international level because business in Europe and in APJ and in LATAM and North America, and even in Canada, you know, it's separate from the U S is, is a little bit different, right? The, the things are, are going to move a little bit differently. There's some, there's some nuance and, you know, trying to have one team at a geo level run all that might cause some challenges for the rest of the business. So it makes sense to centralize everything. And then you start with the common denominator. What does everybody need? So you might not, you might not capture, you're going to lose out a little bit on some of that bleeding edge stuff that you would see, but at the very minimum, everybody's going to get the same baseline and be able to go from there. You know, that's, that's my opinion anyway. I remember my very first like sales operations role, we had grown from, I don't know, like 8 million in ARR, to north of like 60 million and the people in the organization we had grown from like 80 and 90 to roughly 200 and you're right we actually had scale to other countries we'd actually scale to different segments 
And that was the first time when the business systems were actually taken away from my team. And part of me felt a little bit of a loss. It's like, oh man, I'm losing one of my favorite children here. Like this is going to like moving to somebody else. Um, But it did free up my mind, right. To, to really focus on the business, really see two, three years out when it came to like planning and process and forecasting. So it really did open up some doors. So those are the trade-offs, right? Those are the trade-offs that you make. And I think just depends on where your business is at and and where you are in your journey. And, you know, I don't think there's really the wrong way to do it is not to do anything at all. You know, that I think that's the only wrong thing you can really do is not to do anything. So that's the adaption phase and the adaptation. And I think you've had the opportunity to build a team from the ground up. And so at some point you, you, you ran kind of different functions. I'm curious, like what, how you built your team, why you built that built the way you did and uh, really want to dive into that a little bit yeah yeah and i think you know i'll build on that last conversation we were just having right when you talk about you know taking the business tools and the crm outside of the business itself and centralizing that i think that comes with specialization i think it's when you get to a point when you realize that you know having everybody try to do everything and you have a bunch of generalists it gets really it's it's easier to do when you're smaller it gets much harder to do when you're talking about scale and you're expanding internationally or you're you know you're going to do segments you're maybe adding different products it's it super hard right you need to specialize you need to have people that know what you're talking about so when i think about my team i think what is our scope what do we do what do we deliver for the business and you know my team was it was a Small but mighty team, right? The, I thought about it from a scale perspective. It was early on, but I knew specialization was ultimately where I was going to take things to scale right now. You know, as we grew and as the business got more mature, I need people to be experts in things. So when I have people that are doing data and analytics, I need somebody who knows the data stack. I need somebody who understands nomenclature, can have conversations with software engineers, can have conversations with the product team, especially early on when you're bringing in that product data and that CRM data together for the very first time. It's so foundational. You really need people that are experts in that. You know, that's just one example uh, of why specialization to me is super important. And I think the other thing too is by having people focus and be specialized, you're creating career growth opportunities for folks, right? Vertically, horizontally, um, you know, somebody who's doing maybe traditional sales ops, it's really easy to pivot into a data and analytics role if you have the chops for it. Or conversely, you could pivot into, you know, a systems integrator role or, a, you know, project program manager or product manager for CRM. You can do those things, you know, as a, as a sales ops generalist, but it's really hard to do all of that. And it's really hard to do all of that when you scale uh, to a broad, large organization it becomes very difficult to do. So we're getting to the last segment. I, I know you're looking for, you know, your next, uh, your next role. I'm curious um, you know, what you might be looking for in that next setup. Yeah. You know, I think for me, when it comes to my career growth, career journey, whatever you want to call it, I think it's, you, you have to come back and ground yourself to like, what's your North star, right? What's your guiding light and, and doing a lot of self-reflection, right? So my life has changed dramatically in the past two years, call it road. I've had a daughter, my family is growing, my priorities have shifted pretty, pretty significantly. Whereas, you know, before I didn't have those things, I could travel, I could be all over the world. I could do whatever I wanted at a drop of a hat. That's a little bit more difficult of a thing for me to do now. Not that I, you know, I couldn't do it, but I don't really want to, you know, I want to be home. I want to spend some time with, with my girls and, and watch them grow and, and see all the things that are happening. So, you know, what I'm looking for in the next role is, you know, to be able to continue to marry up what I want to do in my current life and, you know, what my home life is and make my career work for me and to do both those things. And and I think the other thing too, that's really important is cultural fit, right? Like 
an organization that has similar values to me is almost more important than what I'm doing. So I feel like, you know, anyone that's worked in sales ops or rev ops or any of these functions, you kind of have that, that ability to wear multiple hats, especially those of us that have worked in startups or even at large organizations where you have to wear lots of hats. It, 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 you know, you're going to get the, those various different at bats. And I think what's more important is the culture, you know, uh, how do they conduct business? How are they working? Who are you working with? Those are things that matter to me more, especially as I've gotten a little bit more uh, later in my career. I know it seems silly to say that, but I've been doing this for 15 years. So it's, you know, uh, I think where I work is almost more important than what I'm doing. Uh, that still matters too. what you're doing. You should really enjoy doing it. At least I kind of follow the 70-30 rule, Jeff, where I should be able to enjoy 70% of what I'm doing and the 30% that I don't really like affords me the ability to do that 70% of what I enjoy doing. And it supports my life goals and career goals all at the same time. That's a win-win. Hey, Sam, you're one of the best that I've ever worked with. I consider you a strong peer and more than that, a friend. For those who are not well connected to you and have just hearing this for the first time, where can they connect with you? Yeah, LinkedIn's a great place to find me. You know, look up Sam McManus. I'm I'm on there. Uh, let's connect. Let's have a conversation. And you know, Jeff, uh, it's been really great to catch up with you. It's great to see you, and uh, I really appreciate you having me on. Always, Sam. Thanks so much. Yeah, you got it.